1: Welcome to The Drabblecast, episode 247. The Drabblecast is a weekly audio fiction magazine that brings strange stories by strange authors to strange listeners, such as yourself. I'm your host, Norm Sherman. On this week's show, we look at absurd bureaucracies. The Banana Republic. Not a recognized governing body of monkeys, it turns out. That's the U.S. government. In the future, according to Planet of the Apes. You can find absurdities in any complex, bureaucratic body. Find it innately present wherever rich, old white guys get together to fashion public policy and drive with their turn signals on. The U.S. government's totally cool paying for your balls to be fondled at airports, but not hospitals. It's ridiculous rigmarole, red tape, and reasoning coming at you this week. Never underestimate the power of carefully worded nonsense. And speaking of which, let's start off with a drabble. Drabbles are stories exactly 100 words, no more, no less, and though they're short, writing one is sometimes harder than it sounds. There's always just a little extra wordage there at the end that, like it or not, winds up being cut off. Like a circumcision. Or at least, not unlike a circumcision. This week's Drabble is called I Flunked Kindergarten, and it comes to us from Douglas Hackle, Doug writes stories that are bizarre, surreal, absurd, horrific, macabre, veiny, vainglorious, childish, moronic, or some combination thereof. His short fiction's been published at Brain Harvest, Jersey Devil Press, The Mustache Factor, The New Flesh Magazine, Pill Hill Press, and elsewhere. He lives in Northeast Ohio with his wife and little boy. So without further ado, I flunked kindergarten. Thirteen times, to be exact. After flunk number thirteen, the school board, taking pity on me, pronounced me the new kindergarten teacher, old Miss Cruthers having just passed away. I'm still a student in the class. As a teacher, I'm equally inept. All my students flunk every year, again and again. Whenever one flunks a thirteenth time, the kindly school board pronounces him or her a teacher of the class, too. Now there's a million of us teacher-students swimming in a chaos sea of broken crayons, bloodied blocks, and hostile letter people struggling to teach one another things none of us understand. And our feature story this week comes from Michael Lukt, and it's called How I Crippled a World for Just 0.01 Cents. Michael refuses to blog, doesn't tweet, cannot be found on Facebook, and despises mobile phones. Laboring in his cave, he hopes to one day create artificial life or publish a novel, whichever is easier. This story first appeared in the July 2010 issue of Bards and Sages Quarterly. The story is read to you by John Moreau. John writes science fiction of all stripes. His latest, Tools and Means, features a hero with a heart of gold, head full of other people, and a trail of bodies. You can find and hear his words at servingworlds.com, where he means to entertain physics, and reality will be bent as needed. So without further ado, we bring you How I Crippled a World for Just 0.01 Cents, by Michael Lucht.
2: accused of stealing the intellectual property of Einstein, Dirac, and Heisenberg. The middle-aged speaker waved his finger at Professor Hilleben, more in the manner of a prosecutor than a judge. I'm just a stranger trying to get home, Hilleben explained, not enjoying the way in which the judge glared at him. He averted his eyes to the justice computer. While it looked like an ordinary PC, it was much more than that. Since the thought of it silently evaluating his every word wasn't particularly comforting either, he risked a fleeting glance at the gallery. He was relieved to spot two old, moustached men among the throng of reporters and curious public. His last resort. "'You are also accused of using the theories of Bourne, Fermat, Maxwell, Feynman, Hawking, and others without paying royalties,' the judge continued." How is being a stranger and trying to get home any excuse, Professor Hillibin whipped his brow with his least dirty handkerchief. I simply don't have the wherewithal for the license fees every time I use v equals i r it costs twelve dollars and ten times as much for e equals m c square and so forth. It's ridiculous if Hillibin had expected understanding, he was dead wrong to the side of the bench the court clerk announced in a grave voice. The following expenses are noted, $120 to the estate of Dr. Einstein and $12 to the estate of Dr. Ohm. Practice economy with your words, Professor Hilleben, the judge cautioned. There will be no infringements in my court. You will be held liable for every formula. If you couldn't afford the theories of standard model science, why didn't you try any of the cheaper alternatives? For tight budgets, Christian mechanics and New Age science offer excellent value, and due to its antiquity, the precepts of Aristotelian mechanics can be employed for peanuts. Professor Hillibin sighed deeply. Then he sighed once more. Then, for good measure, he sighed a third time before answering, Your Honor, Aristotelian mechanics claims that bodies want to come to rest when in reality objects remain in uniform motion unless acted upon by an external force. Christian mechanics teaches that pi equals three. New Age science prescribes that I write down my goal a thousand times a day. Can you see my problem? Thirty dollars to Newton's estate, the court clerk muttered unenthusiastically. Dollar fifty to the Bible foundation ninety nine cents to the holistic society, one cent to the Greek Antiquities Board. The judge was also not impressed, Mr. Hillibin. I may desire a luxury car or a seaside villa, but desire is no excuse for theft. If you were not happy with the alternatives, then you should have saved until you had the money. Hillibin realized that convincing the judge that their system was insane was impossible. He again glanced at the gallery. The two mustached men were still there. He decided to appeal to the judge's sympathy, because otherwise he had just one card left, an ace so terrible that he didn't want to use it. Not because he feared that it would fail, but because he dreaded the consequences of its success. "'I am truly sorry, Your Honor,' he pleaded, trying to sound as sincere as a politician." Please take into consideration that I'm from a parallel world and therefore unacquainted with your laws. Being terribly homesick, my only desire is to return to my own universe. It was merely the necessity to enter the correct coordinates into my multiverse travel pod's navigational system that caused me to accidentally contravene your regulations. The judge shook his head. I'm well aware of who you are, But colorful as your background is, I fail to see its relevance. You arrived in our universe five years ago, ample time to become acquainted with our laws. Besides, your pod traveled such an infinitesimal distance in the multiverse that our two universes are almost indistinguishable. True, in many respects our worlds are similar, Hilleben agreed, but not in all. For example, artificial intelligence in my universe is very backwards compared to yours. Our courts still use people, not computers, for the jury. Likewise, there are significant differences in intellectual property law. In my universe, scientific theories belong in the public domain. You mean anybody can teach E equals MC squared without paying for it? The judge asked. Oops. $100 to the estate of Dr. Einstein the clerk noted. At least he was impartial. "'Yes, Your Honor,' Professor Hillebin affirmed. "'Free for scientists to build upon, free for students to learn, free for the public to wonder. "'Then what incentive does anyone have to develop new theories?' "'To contribute to the sum total of human knowledge. It's never primarily about the money.' So Albert Einstein never became a multi-billionaire in your universe? He never cared about such things. Really? The judge stared up at the ceiling, as if daydreaming. In our universe, he died on his yacht, surrounded by Playboy models. But all too soon he got back to glaring at Professor Hilleben. The point is, Einstein deserved the money for his effort— and what he did with it was his choice, not yours. But be quiet, you, the judge commanded. I rule that the differences between our respective universes do not count as a mitigating factor. It's now up to the justice computer to decide your guilt or innocence. Do you wish to address the computer before it arrives at its verdict? Yes, Your Honor. So it had come to this. Hillibin took a step toward the desk on which the justice computer stood. "'Are you digital?' he asked. "'True,' it replied in a feminine voice. Although it was the most realistic artificial voice Professor Hillibin had ever heard, it still lacked human warmth. "'So basically everything you do comes down to ones and zeros?' "'True,' the judge cleared his throat. "'I put it to you,' Hillibin continued quickly that your every computation uses the law of the excluded middle, that a statement can either be true or false with no in-between value, or, as Aristotle put it so eloquently, it will not be possible to be and not to be the same thing. True. Hillibin turned to the court clerk. And on this occasion you have nothing to say? The clerk glanced at the judge, who nodded without enthusiasm. There's no need, the clerk explained. Because Aristotelian mathematics is extremely cheap due to its antiquity, the law of the excluded middle only costs one hundredth of a cent. In such cases, fair use policy applies, meaning that no license fees need to be collected as the cost of bookkeeping far exceeds the cost of licensing. Yes, Hillibin agreed. Were it not for the fact that the Justice Computer carries out one hundred million binary operations per second... I've invited representatives from the Greek Antiquities Council to witness this trial, he waved at the pair of old men with mustaches in the gallery. Ridiculous, the judge objected, and that would have been it, except for the justice computer. Human beings can rationalize almost anything, but to the justice computer true was true and false was false. Valued at only a hundredth of a cent, this law could move the world. Professor Hillibin never doubted the outcome when he asked it. What's your verdict? In cases where total micropayments exceed the cost of bookkeeping, fair use does not apply. License fees to the Greek Antiquities Council must be paid. And the total is? Hillibin asked, helpfully. This computer performed over 270 trillion binary operations since first activated. The clerk turned pale. But that would be... Twenty-seven billion. One of the mustaches fainted. Someone turn the damn thing off, the judge cursed. Since the Department of Justice didn't have the wherewithal to switch the justice computer on again, the trial could never be resumed and the case had to be thrown out. In truth, with the resulting upheaval of society, Professor Hillebin's crimes were but a small matter, but his victory brought him little joy. Computers were necessary for his calculations, too. Alone in a tiny office, Hillebin worked on his coordinates. It was ten years later, and although there was still so much work to be done, he had never given up his dream of returning home. Tenderly, he pinched a bead between forefinger and thumb and slid it along the wire. He had to take care of two cents to the Chinese Abacus Foundation were nothing much, but it all added up.
1: And that was our story. Hope you enjoyed. The longer it is, The more convoluted the language, the more likely we are just to scroll to the bottom and click, I agree. You know, like iTunes' licensing agreement. Or the Bible. We're of course proud to have brought you the show, this story, free of charge, with a simple Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License, which means it's free for you to share, free for scientists to build upon, free for students to learn. It's never about the money, that's true, but we do still rely on it. Your donations specifically to keep this show coming at you regularly. Donations have actually tapered a bit the past six months, and as a result, you might have noticed we've had a more staggered production schedule. Help us out if you can, folks. Any amount you can give is appreciated, and it's super-duper quick and easy. Just hop over to www.drebelcast.org and hit the Donate button. No crazy terms or conditions apply. All right, time for our weekly Twabble writing contest winner. Twabbles are stories exactly 100 characters. We have an ongoing contest each week in our discussion forums, forums forums.drabblecast.org, where anyone can write a 100-character story and post it up for consideration. There's even a handy 100-character sizing tool there to help you out. We pick a winner, post it early on our Twitter feed, at thedrabblecast, and then run it on the show. The winner this week, Sir Ignatz, with this one here. After hearing the ominous growls coming from the drain, Stephen decided it was time to stop masturbating in the shower. Nice one. Again, our Twitter feed is at the so that's our show, folks. Remember, Drabblecast is produced with a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license, which means don't change or sell it, but feel free to share it all you like. Write us a review on iTunes or wherever you pick up our show. Blog about us, tell a friend, spread the weird. Special thanks to our kick-ass episode artist this week, Drabblecast art director Bo Kyer. Check out his website at bokier.com. So, our program is brought to you by myself, Nikki Drayden, managing editor, our submissions editor, Nathan Lee, editor-at-large, Matthew Bay, our art director, Bo Kire, and with additional help from Tom Baker, David Carvin, David Steffen, Jake Webb, and Jonathan McNeil. We'll see you next week, weirdos. Until then, this is Norm Sherman, reminding you to conserve your words.